We need to show our faces wherever we can so that young girls and women can see that we're in this and, and it's accessible for them also. Hello and welcome to The Growth Business, a podcast sponsored by Sapphire, home of frictionless digital systems. I'm your host, Lucy Thorpe, and this time around, my guest is Abigail Allman, founder and co-host of the Women in ERP podcast, and also a female-led community encouraging and empowering one another to accelerate and grow in the ERP space. Abigail is also Director and Chief Marketing Officer at ERP Dynamics, so we have a lot in common. Abigail, welcome. Do you want to be called Abigail or Abby? Abby is fine. Nice to be here, Lucy. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining me. So look, let's start off by talking about women in ERP. It sounds really, you know, very much like something that I can get behind. As as a um, community in the first place, what was the inspiration for starting that? Yeah, so originally, um, I guess I came back into the ERP world after having my third child. And I think we were just at the tail end of the pandemic. So everything was remote. And I didn't have any female colleagues that I could call on or speak to about issues I was facing as a new mum. You know, at the time I was breastfeeding two children, working full time and, you know, running a house as well. So, you know, the day-to-day issues that we as women face, I didn't have anyone to relate that to. I mean, my colleagues are brilliant. They're all male. (laughs) So they kind of don't get it in the same way. So I created the LinkedIn group as a way to reach out to other women in the same industry, going through the same issues, their own issues that they may need support with as well. And we just created this group. And from that, that then developed into a podcast, which is the Women in ERP podcast, which I host with my co-host, Stephanie Poor. She works for IFS. And yeah, we talk about all things ERP, but also we have a general chit chat about life and and issues and, and that kind of thing. It's a brilliant way to to have a chat and to get ideas across, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's we do it in, a, I, I guess, a different way. I mean, many podcasts that I subscribe to and listen to around ERP and manufacturing and industry are very sort of highbrow. It, you know, it's very technical as well. And we just kind of wanted to make something that was approachable, accessible by other women, not so much daunting or scary. We don't use a lot of terminology. Uh, We try to keep it very almost basic so that those that are in roles around ERP that aren't necessarily technical can still access it and still get what they need from it. Absolutely. And, you know, women in tech, it's obviously a really big topic. I was just before you came on the call today, I was having a look around at some of the studies that people like PwC have done. And they're saying things like only 3% of women say that they would like a career in technology when they're, when they're asked about it. You know, only 3% come up with tech as a first choice and only 5% of women who are in tech are in leadership positions. I mean, these are really bad figures, aren't they? Yeah, it's awful. And I, I think it's, it's largely to do with education around what tech is. I think women see tech as, oh, it's coding and it's programming and it's all this stuff that, you know, scary stuff I don't understand when really tech is real. It's, it's a product like anything else. It can be a product and you you can be creative around that product, whatever that product is. And I think it's that education of allowing women to to see that and access those roles. 
easily. What can we do on the ground, really? Because you're in a leadership position, so you're one of the one of the five percent in your company. I know you're not a hugely large company, but I mean, what sort of things can you put in place, or would you like to put in place in an ideal world to make things more welcoming? It's it's a very difficult one, um, but I guess providing those equal opportunities to men and women. I recently personally did a coding course myself uh, with Code First Girls. Now. They're an organisation that people can access freely. Um, it's completely free. You can do a coding co- course and you can learn tech from the ground up if that's what you want to do to understand it better. But it's also about education in schools, universities. I mean, when I went to university, the first course I joined was information technology. It was business system specific. And I actually dropped out because I was the only woman on the course. There was nobody like me. There was no female teachers. So I, I couldn't see me anywhere in that and I moved over to business marketing but yeah I think those of us that are in technology and are are in those leadership positions need to shout more we need to contribute more to the community we need to show our faces wherever we can so that young girls and women can can see that we we're in this and and it's accessible for them also I noticed you've got very attractive t-shirt on (laughs) which I can see but uh, the listeners to the podcast can't but uh, it says steminist as in STEM subjects, presumably. Yes. Uh, referencing the fact that we do need more girls to get involved in STEM subject from the get-go, really. That's it. I've got two daughters myself and I would just like them to be able to access whatever they want to access and, and to be a part of whichever community or industry they decide to be a part of. You know, it, it shouldn't be a case of, oh, I don't want to get into that because that's a male-dominant industry. I want, just want them to live and work freely. I mean, I don't want to um, to labour the whole kids thing because women get asked about how they bring up their kids kids men rarely get asked about how they bring up their kids and it's not fair but you know we're in an interesting position you've got girls and boys haven't you do you notice inherent innate differences in them because however hard we try sometimes we can't do everything we can't battle against the way sort of society is set up it's a difficult one because uh, me and my husband we actually parent equally so he he's a airline pilot and he works shifts and I work around him and he works around me and we don't actually have childcare. We do it between us. So the influence on our kids has been very much equal. I think between girls and boys anyway, I might get some kickback from this. I think there are innate differences. I notice my son is, he's only one, but he's, he's very boisterous, but he's also very needy. <laughs> Whereas my girls are quite sort of independent minded, but also quite feminine in their choices. Like, you know, for dance and things like that. They also play football. I don't know what he will be into yet, but whatever he wants to do, that's fine by me. What My youngest girl is actually very engineering-minded in a way, so it'll be interesting to see where she goes because she's... She's constantly tinkering with things and building things. So, I mean, I'm sure girls have always wanted to do that. The question is whether or not they're told that that's okay and encouraged to do more of it or or whether they're sort of shut down. My dad was in technology um, and he'd constantly be building, you know, as hobbies as kids, we would build computers and we'd learn about motherboards and components and everything else and we'd build our own computers and we enjoyed that and that was sort of normal for me and he's, he always included me in that i have three brothers i was never not allowed to be a part of the mess in the living room so to speak so 
actually, when I went into work, it wasn't a shock for me. Like tech was just part of my life, and it it took me until I would say my third child and going back into technology to realise actually there's so many obstacles for women here. Maybe I never realised. You know, I was sort of blind to it. <laughs> And it's only recently that my eyes have been open to it and I want to make those opportunities available for everybody like they were for me. Yeah, it sounds like you had a, an amazing upbringing and you were very encouraged. Yeah. So what about some of those barriers that you came across then? Was that in your sort of early career? What's What sort of things? Yeah, uh... so I guess the main barriers, and I don't know if, if you've experienced this yourself, but I guess as a woman, there's a component where you are sexualized. You know, there are certain men in industry that see you as a feminine object, not somebody with their own intelligence and skills and abilities. And almost at times I've been taken to meetings because I'm a woman just to break up the fact that there are a load of men around a table. (laughs) And it's only at that point you have to then speak up and and state your case and, and show that you actually do know what you're talking about. You're not brought on skill at times I think when you're early on in your career as well that that can be a case yeah that's one of the big ones and then having children as well so my second child actually I sort of left the workforce for a bit because I felt that I couldn't I couldn't raise her and work which is ridiculous because I'm doing it now (laughs) but at that point I guess I just felt so unsupported by my employer at that time that I needed to get that break and that headspace I think if organizations could encourage that we can still be parents and work and and really encourage that not just tick a box I'm juggling my own way but I think if if any of my employees came to me and said, I'm you know, having a baby, I'd support them fully. You know, they'd take your maternity leave, come back when you're ready. If you need to breastfeed, breastfeed, very natural. You Sometimes you feel like you're not welcome in a room sort of thing. No, <laughs> I do. I do absolutely sympathise uh, completely because like you, I also left the workforce quite a long time, actually, because I didn't feel that it was possible to, to do both. Um, it's a really difficult choice, isn't it? But I think possibly it's become slightly easier easier choice with the huge flexibility that we've all allowed ourselves post pandemic. And I just wondered how you saw the landscape now, because, you know, we had a a big shakedown with with COVID about the way that we worked and working from home, and it all looked incredibly positive. And then it looked like we were having this thing called the Great Resignation, and it was mainly women who were resigning. And now I'm reading about this thing called quiet quitting is where we all just like... (laughs) We're at home and nobody can see that we're not actually doing any work, which is the new thing, which is, you know, do the bare minimum, you know, don't go above and beyond. It's supposed to be the sort of the new form of sort of social protest and Mm. going into an era where everything's really expensive and, you know, fuel prices and everything. What do you think about the way things have shaken down post COVID? Do you see things optimistically or a bit pessimistically? Oh, be careful because I go full conspiracy mode on you in a minute. No, I think you employ people and if you employ good people, they won't let you down. I think if you employ somebody who's going to take an easy ride, then that's your, you know, that's what you've done and that's your decision and that's the outcome. So I think you've got to make sure you employ good people. I personally have worked at home for a long time and I'm, we've now just opened a new office in Cheshire and I'm here as much as I can be because I do find that my kids can be a distraction. 
and I want to focus. So, but at times it's it's easier to be at home. So I think that flexibility and being able to come in office when you, when you can and work at home when you can and and just to be able to make a choice as an adult. Um, I think everybody should be able to do that. But yeah, it's scary times. We you know we're, we're facing economic uncertainty. Um, bills, cost of living is going up constantly. So more women are having to work as well. You know, the traditional family structure of a man at work and a woman at home is is almost becoming obsolete because who can afford to do that now? So I think organisations need to change with women in mind. You know, we need to make the workplace more accessible and friendly and welcoming and, and all of that. But yeah, it's uh, difficult times ahead. Depends on the industry. I think we are... In somewhat personally in in a somewhat recession proof industry um because we modify ERP systems, we work in that sort of technology space, and rather than being a new complete implementation which may cost a lot of money, modifying the ERP system can be a, a cheaper alternative, so we kind of hopefully we'll be okay <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did read in some of these surveys that they were talking about in women in tech saying that actually technology is a very flexible industry. It's um, always had people who were remotely based anyway. Teams have been remote. They haven't necessarily been office-based. And so it does kind of lend itself to suiting women and, and men who are trying to raise families. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's, it is a flexible industry. I mean, it depends what you do. For me, in a marketing space, it doesn't matter whether I'm in office or at home. If we're doing podcasts or recording, then the office is the best place. If it's articles and writing up, then at home in the evening with a glass of wine usually is the, the better option. It's whether your role is flexible. I know a lot of sales teams have to be in office and on the phone. But again, it's about empowering those people that work for you and, and trusting them to, to manage their own time and respect the organization that they work for. Yeah. And I think we're going to have to be really on point with company culture and stuff because it's been very easy to um to sort of talk the talk about company culture. But as things do get tough, everybody's tightening their belts. We need to make that a reality really and really be there and really be properly supportive of staff. Um, it's going to be a bit of a testing time, I think, to see whether scratch the surface and that company culture goes all the way through or whether it's just kind of laid over the top. Yeah, that's it. I mean, many companies, you see it during things like mental health awareness week many companies tick the box and they put the post on linkedin but actually they are detrimental to many people's mental health you know that's something i've experienced and witnessed myself with the company i used to work for so you just think there's only so much box ticking that people can do eventually you're going to have to show your hand so to speak you know are you legitimate in what you're saying is your organization good for people or is it not now, one thing that we um, haven't touched on is the fact that you know my boss and his name is Chris Gabriel. And he was the first man ever to appear on the Women in ERP podcast, which is a huge <laughs> honour. Just remind us uh, why you uh, decided to invite him on. So it's very strange. I don't actually know how I met Chris. <laughs> he just sort of he kept coming up on my LinkedIn. And then one day he did this post about his mom suffering with dementia. And I'd been through something similar with my granddad who had suffered with dementia um since past but it, it spoke to me and the more I got to know Chris and, and interact with him I realized that he's fantastic in his storytelling and the way that he can 
relate ERP systems or business systems to the impact on everyday life and something that's significant to you as a person. And I just find his approach fascinating. It's something I've never experienced before. It's always been like, you know, this is a business system and <laughs> this is what it does. Not here's the impact on Joe Bloggs, who is going to work that day and, and then he wants to get home and be with his family. And he can relate that and I just, I just find him really, really interesting. And you're very lucky to work for him, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, the, the, the importance of an inspirational leader, I think um, we had a little chat about this before. It is hugely Im- important to be inspired by the people that you work with. And it's also very important in the ERP space to have people who are inspiring customers as well, because more and more, we're not selling software, we're not selling technology, we're, we're selling possibilities, we're, we're selling the art of the possible and we do need to be able to have these imaginative stories in which we bring to bear all kinds of skills the storytelling skills with the kind of soft skills or or marketing skills to the technology industry I find that that intersection really interesting yeah I agree completely and it's more about now um, you don't just go for any customer that's after your help we kind of we pick and choose who we work with based on you know, what impact they're having on on the world and what we can do for them to help that. You know, it's more of that ethical conversation for us now. I don't know if you're finding that as well. It's not just a case of we'll work for anyone. I mean, it's certainly a lot easier and more attractive to work for companies who have got some kind of sense of social responsibility. And particularly when it comes to things like um, green issues, for example, some of my favorite customers are the ones that are doing amazing things in in, in terms of the green energy space. Yes, it's just a joy to tell their story because they're really trying and they're making a difference. That's it. Yeah, it is. It's it. It's those impactful companies and and they're what people want to hear about as well, you know, and organizations want to know what's working for other organizations. So it's it's bringing that knowledge and information to the forefront as well, which in marketing is what we try to do. (laughs) Absolutely. So have you always been a marketer or tell me a little bit about your, a little bit of a potted history, because this is partly your company, isn't it? ERP? Yes. Yeah. So I've always worked in marketing, apart from when I used to work in opticians and was a barmaid. (laughs) (laughs) I first got into ERP. Um, I was a single mum and I made the transition into technology because it paid more. As simple as that, you know, I was working for more of a a media company prior to that. And I had to support me and my daughter. And yeah, it's just grown from there. When I came back into the ERP space after having my third child, I was contracting for a while. um, For an old colleague of mine, Rob Mullen, Uh, we used to work together. Um, for another company and he formed a business with Kevin Douglas and I came in and we were doing a lot of interesting work together and we had the conversation should I join the business so they let me take 30% and here's where we are today. I know that it's only August it's not January when we normally do the kind of predictions type thing but we're halfway through the year it's been a pretty good year so far have you got any kind of like predictions for the future are you looking forward to anything particularly developing in the ERP space or anything that your company's doing in particular so we are currently doing some interesting stuff around well we're working with Google Chrome so we've just partnered with Google um, and we're working in the kiosk space at the moment so we're developing software well working with some software that already exists actually 
um, with a company called Treason, and we're we're using their software to pull out data from ERP systems to present on kiosks in a more interesting way. So we'll have things on there like um, news updates and staff news, along with your sales figures or your goods in and out or your production details and that kind of thing. So we're doing a lot of work around that at the moment. It's a new concept with IFS software we work with. So that's all interesting. Um, And I think there's going to be a lot more in terms of AI use within the ERP sector. I think we're going to do a little bit around that. But yeah, as we know with any recession, which we are heading into, the manufacturing industry does tend to get impacted. So whatever we can do in terms of helping organisations to save money while still being socially responsible, that's kind of where we're going at the moment. We work with a company called PX3 who work around sustainable IT systems. So looking after the environment through IT and they'll go into a company and assess the IT department and how much carbon that you're producing and how to minimize that as well as offset it. We aren't about greenwashing. We're not going to plant a thousand trees and then ignore them, which is what a lot of companies do. A, a brilliant aim to have to make your green policies actually mean something. And that's very much something that we're behind. Look, how can people get, how can women get involved in your group if they would like to uh, know more as we're kind of coming to the end now? So Women in ERP is at the moment, it's in its infancy. So it is a LinkedIn group. We have a website, womeninerp.com um, and a podcast available on Spotify, Apple, all the major podcasting network. We are now developing it into a proper community website with resources and, and information that should help women access and thrive within the ERP sector. So there's a lot to come from us. But yeah, if you access us on on LinkedIn or all the podcasting networks you'll find us myself and Stephanie we we do it as a labor of love so we don't actually make any money from it at the moment it's something we feel is important it's a brilliant concept and um and nobody's done it before so it's just crying out to be done isn't it Exactly. But anybody that wants to get involved, feel free. We should have some very interesting guests on our next series. We just completed series one um, and now we're about to film series two. Brilliant. I will put some of these links into the show notes for this episode so that people can follow you and join in the community and listen to the podcast and get involved, basically. So, Abby, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Appreciate the time. Excellent. And uh, maybe I can join you one day in one of your discussions. Absolutely. We'd love to have you. So that's it for the growth business today. Thank you very much for joining us. As I say, do look at the show notes and like, share, etc. Make sure you never miss an episode. Thanks very much for joining me. Goodbye.